Twitter handle, at Religion of Woke, all one word. You have falsely accused my demographic group of being the perpetrators of hate crimes. That makes me a victim. I like it. I love being a victim. So Wilford Riley wrote a book called Hate Crime Hoaxes. I think it had some sort of subtitle also, but... So they're switching over to the topic of that book, and Coleman says he has a buddy who went to school with a black girl who drew a swastika on her own, uh, sounds like her dorm room door. And then, you know, everyone was like, whatever. She was the center of attention. She was getting a lot of uh, praise and whatnot, I guess, for being so brave and living in a white supremacist society. Anyways... Unbeknownst to her, the whole thing was recorded. She got busted. She got kicked out of school. So Riley explains why he wrote the book. He was in grad school, I guess, 2012 to 2014, roughly. And he was in Chicago, and there was a bunch of, uh, you know, hate crime hoax stories in Chicago. And it kind of, whatever, put it on his radar. He mentions the, um, the Velvet Ultra Lounge, which was a... Uh, hipster gay bar for dancing in Chicago that got burned down and there was a bunch of like anti-gay slurs spray painted everywhere. I kind of remember this. I think what happened was the uh, owner burned it down for the insurance money. But so anyways, it was a hoax. Wasn't no uh, whatever. Homophobes. I could not think of that word the other day. There's no homophobe involved in that fire. Anyways, Riley mentions a whole bunch of other ones. But here's an amusing one. So I guess University of Wisconsin Parkside, some college, lists, uh, you know, kill lists, lists of names of students who should be killed were found uh, tacked onto trees. Anyways, turns out it was put up by a black woman. But the amusing part is how she was caught was that the only name on the list that was spelled correctly was her own. So he gives some more information on the, the Velvet Ultra Lounge one. Apparently, the guy who, you know, he faked the fire, he faked the gay hate crime, uh, he did get the money from the insurance company, and then his friend was caught, whatever, I think it was drunk driving, anyways, had some sort of traffic, traffic infraction in another state, and he's like, I will turn in, I'll turn, you know, I'll turn in this guy who did a arson if you let me go. So why is that important? It's because, you know, if you're not a complete idiot like some of these people, uh, or have very bad luck like this Ultra Lounge guy, you're going to get away with it. So, you know, for every... I don't know. It just... When I hear something that sounds too good to be true, like, you know, the Jesse Smollett one, you just hear that, you're like... You don't know if these... You know, you do, there was no way to know that Smollett would ever get caught, but just the story was too good to be true. And, in fact, it's just... White people do not go around painting swastikas and... Uh, whatever, gay slurs. And so... If you just take that kind of as your base level of fact, when you hear these things, you're like, well, I hope they find out this one is false, but even if they don't, it's probably false. We'll say, there was a white guy who painted a swastika somewhere. Um, it was a few months ago. you think it would have been bigger news. Anyway, it seems like all the fake ones are the ones that you hear all about, but uh, ones that turn out to be fake. But there was a, a white guy who painted a swastika, uh, I don't know, in the last six months. And when I read that, I was like, holy cow, it does happen. And, you know, there was the Dylan Roof shooting of the black church people, and uh, there was the synagogue shooting, too. So, basically, those three things. Those are the three that I know of. Oh, and then El Paso. Maybe the guy didn't like Hispanics. 
don't know if they ever figured that one out for sure or not. Anyways, for every real one, there's a ton of unreal ones, or ones where they're like, an Asian was attacked. Uh, don't mention the race of the attacker. So Riley started his uh, research for his book. He compiled a long list of all the hate crimes that, uh, you know, had big media coverage that he could get a hold of. And then he uh, checked to see how many of them turned out to be hoaxes, and it was over half. And like I say, we don't know if the other half is a hoax that wasn't exposed, but like, so over half were actually exposed. And so the next thing he did to research his book is he went looking for actual hoaxes, you know, not just let's look at random hate crimes and see if they are a hoax. But, you know, let's do Google searches for hate crime and hoax or hate, hate crime revealed, stuff like that. And so he was able to find 409 of these hoaxes. And they were almost all, but not entirely in the, whatever, in the five years, I guess, surrounding 2013. And he's kept the list going. He's over 600 now. So he tried to get a little more comprehensive to figure out, you know, what's the proportion of hate crime hoaxes and... He was getting that about, each year there's about 700 hate crimes that make the news. And maybe about 90 of them were turning out to be hoaxes. Which, like I say, that may not sound like a lot to other people, but, you know, I think, I think your average hate crime is like someone spray paints a swastika, you know, on a wall. And those things do make the news. And there's a famous one in New York, right? The, per the, the perpetrators that came out months later were, I think... 12 or 14 year old African American boys. But you know, most of the time, ain't no one gonna get caught for that. You do that in the middle of the night, you ain't gonna get caught. And I think there's a famous one where, like, a young man, I think in his 20s, a Jewish man in his 20s, like, he was going around doing a whole bunch of hate crimes, you know, what people thought were hate crimes, I guess, but anti Semitic hate crimes. But it was actually done by him, and he was Jewish. I think this is kind of how it goes. You take your 100 hate crimes, and you find out uh, 10 of them were committed by a white man, 10 of them were committed by a black man, and 10 of them were committed by a Hispanic man, and 70 of them you don't know. So you say, oh, well that 70 is all white men. And so one third of these fake hate crimes take place at a college or a prep school. And apparently there's a website called uh, www.fakehatecrimes.org which keeps track of fake hate crimes and like they have a bunch of crimes that isn't on his list so there's you know the number of fake hate crimes is larger than the ones he has mentioned but anyways about a third of theirs also take place on colleges or prep schools so he lists off some colleges but an amusing one is Oberlin they're famous for being the most woke you know they're a Whatever, they're not as famous as Harvard, but they're a very fancy school, and they're absolutely the most woke place on the planet. But what's funny about it is that uh, multiple times the Ku Klux Klan has been spotted at this, the wokest place on the planet. Oh, whoops, turned out to be hoaxes. And also there, a trans individual, a trans individual was going around spray painting Tranny Go Home all, all over the place. So Coleman's trying to figure out, like, why would people commit hate crime hoaxes? He's just kind of thinking out loud, but he starts talking about um, Munchausen. Munchausen syndrome? I know there's Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Anyways, Munchausen, which is where you, uh, 
you like going to the hospital. So you, you poison yourself a little bit so that you can go to the hospital and get attention from like doctors and nurses. And so you don't, you probably don't really like being sick, but you like the attention you get. And Munchausen by proxy, that's the more famous one. That's where you poison your kid so that you can go to the hospital all the time with a sick kid and get, get attention. But then Coleman brings up a interesting example, and he's talking about how some of the people he knew, they, they enjoyed getting sick from the COVID vaccine. You know, they, they got to, whatever, they got to get attention and, you know, uh, sympathy from people from getting sick. And I'll say, I did not get sick from my vaccine. And I, you know, I was kind of sorry I didn't. It was, you know, it was going to be a good story. And Coleman's a recent graduate from Columbia University, Ivy League school in New York. And he says he's seen how, you know, like, I mean, he's a black guy. So anyways, he's seen how his friends, you know, will bring up uh, some sort of supposedly racist thing that they experienced. And, you know, just everyone will just be falling all over themselves with sympathy and attention and, you know, no one is ever skeptical. Like, you know, he's like, oh, really? You saw the Ku Klux Klan <laughs> at a woke college? Whatever. You are believed. And I can just imagine if someone's like, that doesn't sound true, they would get attacked like crazy. And Riley's uh, theory on the situation is that uh, when you treat people, you know, who are supposedly victims of a hate crime... Real nice, you know, lots of sympathy, lots of attention. Well, you're just going to get more of that, you know, they're whatever. People are going to be like, I want sympathy, and you know, they see that and they're like, I want some of that sympathy and attention, or I'm going to do another one, I want more sympathy and attention. And I will say, Dr. Phil talked about one time, and his theory was that basically, you know, someone who's never, you know, never had no hate crimes done against them. But they hear in the news that there's tons of hate crimes. So they know. They know in their heart that America is, you know, just so am amazingly racist. That they're like, well, you know, maybe I haven't been the victim of a hate crime. But, you know, I could have been. I should have been. I mean, I would have been. I, you know, I live in a racist society. Every white person I meet is my enemy, obviously. So it's okay for me to fake this one because it's just an example of, you know, of the millions of them that are out there. You know, and it doesn't occur to them, like, huh, why Why has no one ever treated me bad? Maybe what the media's told me ain't true. And then Coleman is saying at Columbia, like, if you know, if you're a straight white male, you better find something to spice it up. I mean, otherwise you're going to be a nobody. You know, you better bring in some sort of non-binary or whatever it is you got to do to make yourself stand out. I mean, everyone wants attention. No one wants to be ignored. And Riley is guessing that on, uh, whatever, woke campuses, the women are heading towards maybe 50% of them identifying as, whatever, something other than a straight white woman. Like, you know, maybe they're non-binary. Or maybe they're a person of size, you know? So if you're a little bit fat, you can be like, you don't understand what it's like to live in this world as a person of size. And Riley points out, you know, it's more than just being ignored. You're the oppressor, so you know you get you better you better find something if you don't want to be the oppressor. Maybe you know eat some extra hamburgers, I guess, or kiss a dude. If you're a dude, kiss a dude, and do it very very publicly. Just do it once. That's probably enough. So they're talking about how these hoaxes—they're usually too flashy. Like Riley's like, 
you know, if you if you said you got your butt beat at you know at the at closing time at some biker bar or some black bar, and it was because they didn't like your skin color, he'd believe that. But uh, people are going by. They're kind of like fighting the, you know, the fight from 100 years ago. So, you know, they know that the KKK is a bunch of evil racists. So, you know, they're going to say that they saw one walking around the campus. It doesn't occur to them that they should keep it realistic. The other thing they mentioned is people who can't draw swastikas. There was a case recently where... Anyways, where that happened, some... It was like a... It was kind of a poor black neighborhood and some guy had a kind of mechanic slash car lot, like selling old cars, funky cars. And uh, people were like drawing swastikas and breaking windows. So he uh, he put up a camera and it was a, you know, it was a couple of young black men. And they were, whatever, I think they were drawing the swastika the wrong direction. And then one of them was one of the legs, you know, they're all supposed to point the same direction like a pinwheel. Anyways, one of the legs went the wrong way, just like, Look it up on your phone first before you spray paint it. So Riley's talking about, you know, what are you allowed to talk about? What do you got to keep your mouth shut on? So in Madison, Wisconsin, I guess last, I don't know, somewhere in, sometime in the last year, there was a woman who, she didn't say her race, I assume black, anyways, there's a woman who said uh, some frat boys in Hawaiian shirts drove up next to her car, they sprayed her with lighter fluid, and then threw a lighter in there and set her on fire. But anyways, on that same day, there was a riot that was very destructive. And so the media was like, there was no riot. What are you talking about, you racist? And then this lady got attacked by some frat boys. Anyways, and the cops investigated and they showed that that, whatever, she made up the whole thing. And Coleman's talking about the Jesse Smollett case where, I'm sure you heard of it. Anyways, he kept a noose supposedly they put a noose around his neck and he kept the noose around his neck until the cops showed up like he went back to his apartment sat around for an hour with this noose around his neck and coleman's like you know if someone put a noose around my neck i would take that thing off and throw it and i would you know i'd be worried about my heart rate and heart rate and getting myself calm and you know dealing with this traumatic thing that i just dealt with but jesse was like man he was so stoked for the cops to come in and see that noose and I remember when that one went down, uh, I have a buddy that I like to argue with about politics. And so as soon as I heard that case, I sent him an email like, let's keep an eye on this. I will say, you know, I didn't have the balls to say, I think this is a lie. I didn't know. I didn't know. It sounded ridiculous, but I didn't know. But anyways, I was like, let's keep an eye on this one. And, you know, I think for about uh, two or three days, uh, you know, everyone in the media is like, yep, uh, racist, MAGA hat wearing people are... Whatever. Attacking gay black men in Chicago. This is a normal thing. These, this is a story that rings true. Alright, now they're getting on to these, uh, the hate crimes against Asians, which the media is kind of liking to talk about lately. Or I think. They were really liking to talk about it a couple months ago until the stats started coming out and they're like, eh, maybe we don't want to talk about this anymore. But anyway, so who attacks Asians? That's right. The reason why people really were hot to trot about that subject a while back is because they were saying it was Donald Trump's fault. All right, here's the breakdown for what is the race of people attacking Asians. So it's 27% black, 25% white, 21% percent 
Hispanic and 20% Asian. It's the only race where, you know, you know, basically, you know, who attacks white people? Well, normally it's a white person. Who attacks black people? Well, normally it's black people. But Asians are special. The, the other three races all attack them more than they attack themselves. And I should mention, right, if you, if you want to go, like, by per 100,000 people or per capita or whatever, so there's six times as many whites as there are black people. So when blacks beat out whites, that means they're doing it per capita six times more or over six times more. I guess let's put it this way. So black people are doing it uh, double the amount of their part of the population. Whites are doing it like a third of their amount of the population. Hispanics are doing it equal to the amount of their population. And Asians are doing it double. So by far the least racist group out of those four is whites. So hate crimes in general... Jews are the number one victims of hate crimes every year, and they always are. And, you know, they're a small, very small amount of America. Anyway, so if you go by, like, you know, disproportionate hate crimes, there's two groups that are disproportionately hate-crimed, and that's Jews, the clear winner, and Asians. And I haven't heard anyone address this, but I don't think, you know, if a person of color attacks a white person, I don't think they call that a hate crime. I mean, they could, but I think the general policy is... Do not call it that. You know, I'm sure it depends on the city.